Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And once again, Happy New Year. So, you know, days like this are the day that I always um, chuckle a little bit. I think most of us in here are old enough to remember when the year 2000 was something we only saw in sci-fi movies and read in sci-fi books. And now it is, they tell me, 2023? Is that real? Is that for real? It's a quarter century later, here we are. Okay, so also New Year's Day. We don't always have a Sunday on New Year's Day, so I thought we would talk about a couple of things. Um, and I, I don't know if I want to bring it up or if you want me to bring it up, but uh, raise your hand if you have a New Year's resolution going on here. Okay, all right, all right. Raise your hand if you're able to raise your hand. Okay, okay, all right. So sometimes people say, man, don't raise your hand in church because you never know what's going to happen. Okay, so, so top, I looked at a top ten of New Year's resolutions. I thought they were kind of interesting. I want to show, share them with you. Number one, lose weight. Number two, save money. Number three, get physically fit. Number four, eat healthy. Number five, learn something new. Learn new stuff. Number six, drink less alcohol. Quit smoking. Jared's a little quick on the trigger there. Reduce stress. What else? Sleep better. Get better sleep and travel more. I don't know if that's 10 or how many that is. That's David Letterman's top 10. Now, I've read that 45% of the people who make New Year's resolutions um, think they can actually keep them. So almost half people think they can actually think, keep their New Year's resolution going all year round. But in point of fact, that's a pipe dream. 40% of them will break them before the end of January. 75% of you that didn't raise your hand, 75% of you won't make it till Valentine's Day. But, um, you know, those things would be hard to accomplish, the things that you saw on the list. And we'd all have to agree with that if you're trying to do any of those things. So here's a list that maybe we can get along with and accomplish some more. So maybe this is our New Year's resolutions. Number one, read fewer books in the year. No? Number two, gain 30 pounds. Number three, you got to like this one. Spend more time on Facebook, right? Or eat out more. And then here, buy more stuff on Amazon.com. Now those are some things we can stick to, Right? Well, the question comes up, why do we make these New Year's resolutions? Why do we make New Year's resolutions? The answer is, unspoken probably, because uh, we want things to be better. Right? We want this year to be better than it was last year. We want to have a better experience this year. Nobody says, you know, I want this next year to be worse than it was last year. Nobody says that. We all want next year to be better. And on, on this day, you know, on New Year's Day, it's kind of a, a reset. You know, we kind of get hit the reset button. We get to start anew again. We want things better because if we're all completely honest, we might admit that on this day of the year, um, we're not so much um, welcoming the arrival of the new year. We're maybe celebrating survival of the last year. Not so much about the arrival of this year. It's more about survival of last year. So I want to talk about some terms this morning, and then I want to talk about some goals maybe uh, for 2023. I'm still not used to saying that. 2023. I haven't actually written it down yet. Has anybody done that? Written out a check and had to write 2023 in? So actually, let's do both at the same time. Talk about some terms and talk about some goals. Uh, because I want to talk about um, the change that God has in store for us. Um, you know, we hear everybody say um, New Year's resolution. That's what we always talk about. But what exactly is a resolution? Have you ever thought of what that term actually means in Webster's Dictionary? Webster's Dictionary defines it as a resolution is a statement, something we say, all representing a firm decision to do or not do something. So it's a statement, to do something or to not do something. 
Um, so we've decided, right? We've decided to stop smoking, gossiping, drinking, politicking, or fill in the blank there. Or maybe we've decided to start something, you know, learning more, saving more, um, working out more. We've decided to do something or to not do something. But by definition, these things um, normally fail. So you heard the statistics I gave you, and don't worry, those numbers aren't going to be on the test. So just get the idea of it, though, right? But they usually fail. But why is that? Um, the thing is that um, we don't make the life changes or we don't change our lifestyle um, that will actually play those things out in our lives. We're not willing to make those lifestyle changes. So this morning, this New Year's Day, this morning, this New Year's Day, I want to talk about that, right? I submit to you that we need to, to up the ante, um, so to speak. Um, we need to go a little bit further um, than firm decisions or firm statements. We need to go a couple more steps beyond that. If we expect um, 2023, <clears throat> it, it, we expect that to be the year we thrive rather than just survive. Um, we got to baby step our way forward. Um, so we need something more than a firm resolution. Um, some of the other terms that we might put in that place um, what we need to bring up, maybe we need a firm um, reformation rather than a resolution. Reformation. And yes, you can put Luther in there if you want to, if that helps you uh, maybe shed a little more light on that. A reformation, by definition, is a new way of living. So a, revo uh, a resolution is a statement or a firm decision to do something. Or not do something. A reformation is actually a new way of living. So if you think about it, that's what New Year's resolutions are really for that's what they're going for that's what they're pointing at a new way of living for the better not just for the sake of newness right for the better and i think that's what people really truly are looking for that a, a reformation but as humans as humans i think we fall short of that we fail to do that when what we fail in is our actions right the definite of a resolution has to do with words a statement but um, those uh, words are thoughts but we need a new way of thinking we need a, not only a new way of, of living, but we need a new way of thinking about it. Because for better or worse, um, thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, right? We follow that line a, bit, a little bit further, and our habits become our character. Our habits become who we are and what we do. Now, all of those ideas and a few more that I'm going to mention here in a short time um, come to the front at the beginning of a new year. Um, some actions in the new year um, don't make a whole lot of sense, or common sense anyway. They take New Year's traditions from around the world. If you lived in Greece, you'd hang an onion outside your door. Right? It has something to do with um, fertility and growth. The tradition in Greece is after church, you go home and you hang an onion up on your porch in front of the front door, or you do that for a friend. Don't anybody come and do that at the parsonage, by the way? Right? You're thinking TPing is bad enough, right? Okay, so that's a tradition in Greece. Or how about Colombia? In Colombia, you put three potatoes under your bed. Everybody's bed has three potatoes under it. One is peeled, one is not peeled, and one is partially peeled. I'm not sure exactly what that means, if you make stripes or peel half of it. Then at midnight, you're blindfolded, or at least you're not looking. You reach under the bed, and depending on which potato you pull out, you will have either good fortune, financial struggles, or a combination of both. I guess the partially peeled is the combination of both. I don't know if the peeled one is, is good fortune or if that's financial. I don't know. That's in Colombia. In Ireland, how many people have Irish blood in them? 
Okay, there's a couple of you. Ireland, banging loaves of bread against the walls and doors at midnight. Yeah, so did, uh, did you miss that one? So if you're Irish, you bang loaves of bread against the walls and doors. I said some of them don't make it sense. Oh, how about this one? Denmark, throwing old plates against your friend's front doors. Crashing plates against, like I said, you thought toilet paper was bad, right? And apparently the more plates you have piled up on your porch the next morning, that's how much fortune you're going to have in the following year, Denmark. Canada, things get fishing, Can, or, I mean, it's simpler. Canada, you go ice fishing, eh, right, with the family? Here's one. Is Bernice here? Yes, Bernice is here. All right, so Norway, however, the, the crown jewel of, of Europe, right? Norway, you make this cake. This is a Norway New Year's Day cake. No throwing plates against the wall, no banging bread against the walls, or no throwing potatoes under. You eat this beautiful cake. I, I don't know what it's called. Bernice can probably tell us after this. I can show you it, but I can't pronounce it. I, my Norwegian's worse than my Greek. So, All right, so why do I show you all that? Why do we talk about these things? Because they're examples of, of a living reformation, um, new habits in the Bible that we need to talk about. God doesn't stop with us just wanting new statements or new words or new actions. What God really wants in a new year is a new you. God wants you to be renewed. So literally to say happy instead of having new year, happy new you. Now, um, God shows us a path to achieve that, right? This is a little bit of an instruction manual. That's why we spend so much time reading it, talking about it, and deciphering through some different words and some different terms and some different things, some different ideas that we can actually apply to our lives that we can actually do. So God gives us the plan. He gives us a plan of attack for how to get to that goal, how to get to that happy new you. Now, um, I picked Philippians to go through. We read some other scripture this morning because I just wanted to have some, a lot of scripture read. I like a lot of scripture read. I don't know if you noticed that. I like a lot of different scriptures read through the service. But I want to go to Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. Now, this is Paul talking, and this is how, this is Paul talking about, or God literally talking about how to get to that new you, how to have that um, resolution, how to get that revelation in your life, how to get to that, um, that reformation in your life. So if we look at chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says this. He says, I don't mean that I am exactly what God wants me to be. Has anybody ever thought that? I don't mean that I, he says, I'm not exactly what God wants me to be. I am aware that I am not exactly what God wants me to be. Okay, that's a first step in that whole thing. Paul says, and continues, I have not yet reached that goal. But then he says this, he says, I continue trying to reach it and make that goal mine. That's what Christ wants me to do. That's the reason he made me his. Not exactly what God wants me to be. By the way, I know we don't want to raise our hands in here this morning because we might be volunteering for something. But if you think that you are everything that God wants you to be, then, then you are dismissed for a few minutes and go get some coffee and go get some cookies out there and then come back and, and talk to me. If you're watching online, just fast forward a couple of minutes and, and we'll catch up with you. Right? Call you back for communion. I have not yet reached the goal, but I press on. Right? I'm going forward. So the question that, that that should bring up in our heads, especially today, New Year's Day, do you feel like you've made any mistakes last year? Any failures? Do you have any place where you need a do-over? Want the old you to become the new you? Well, first, Paul says the first thing you have to do is, is admit that, that we're not there yet. 
not some sort of self-defeating admit. You know, like I said, oh, I'm so bad about it. And just to get the people around you to give you that ego boost saying, oh, you're not so bad. Oh, you're really a good person. No, no, not like that. To actually understand that we fall short of where God wants us to be. We're not there yet. Paul admits he falls short. He actually understands that. And he wants the new, and he wants it now. So the first thing God says, and again, this is an instruction manual. The first thing that God says that we have to do comes in verse 13. First part of 13. He continues, Paul continues. Brothers and sisters, that's brethren, right? I know that I still have a long way to go, but there's one thing I do. Forget what is in the past. Okay, now, this is not dicey, but this is a fine line that we have to walk here. Because, first of all, let's start on one side. If you live in the past, you're going to lose the present. If you live in the past, you're going to lose the present. How many people can't enjoy today's sunshine because they become totally engulfed in the darkness that happened yesterday? So the past does not have to define you. The past does not have to dominate you. And the past does not, uh, is not going to be allowed to destroy you. We have to leave it there. Now, we're going to talk about how to leave it there in a healthy way. We're not talking about just stuff all that down in a jar and put a lid on it as best you can and put it on the shelf and forget about it. No, we're going we're gonna to met it out. We're going to deal with it. But the thing is we have to forget it and let it go. You guys remember the comic strip Ziggy? What a great philosopher Ziggy was. This was one of my favorites. I had this on my room. My sister gave me this for a long time. Stuff I got to remember not to forget Well, it's just the opposite with God. God says there's things we have to remember to forget. Things that we have to remember to forget. Forget what's in the past. Now, again, don't misunderstand this now. It doesn't mean to fail to remember, right? We can't erase our memories on purpose, right? And when Paul says forget the past, when he uses that word forget, it's closely related to the Greek word for forgive. It's closely related to the, to the Greek word for forgive, which we're going to talk about soon, maybe in the next couple of weeks, maybe next week we're going to talk about this. The word forgive means not to be influenced by or affected by. The word forgive means to not be influenced by or affected by. That's closely related to the word Paul uses for forget. If you look at Isaiah 43, 25, this is how God speaks about it. He says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Again, we're going to talk about all this. And remembers your sins no more. Remembers your sins no more. That doesn't mean that God has amnesia or something. But God says this. He says, I'm not going to let your past affect our future together. I'm not going to let your past affect our relationship together. Now, there's a process to that. Right, And it's called confession, and we go through that. And again, we'll talk about all that in a little bit more. But for today, I just want to keep it simple. Right? And simply stated, the past can hinder us. Right? Again, we can't enjoy today's sunshine because of the yesterday's clouds. So the second thing we have to realize now is living in the presence. Or living in the present, rather. Once you put your past where it belongs in the rearview mirror... You can put the present in the windshield, if you will. Mother Teresa um, said this. She said, the most important day of your life is today. It's all we have. Do we have a slide on that, Jared? Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has has not yet come. We only have today 
And then she says this, oh, let's begin. This is a great thing to say to yourself before your feet hit the floor. Yesterday is gone. All right. Tomorrow has not yet come. We only have today. So let's work with today. Let's work with what we have in front of us. Well, how do we do that? Again, we have this beautiful instruction manual here. Right? How do we do that? How do we begin? How do we uh, take advantage of only today? Well, by pressing on, Paul says in verse 14. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I tell you what, man, Paul is like a poet. Um, this word goal, for example, is a Greek word, skapas. Give that one a shot. Skapas. Why can't you hear you? Skapas. And yes, Bernice, my Greek is probably worse than my Norwegian, or maybe my Norwegian's worse than my Greek. I don't know. My it throws my Japanese in there, too. It's all kind of the same. Skapas sounds kind of like the, the English word scope, right? And that's where we get our word telescope. So Paul says, I press on towards the goal as if he's looking through a telescope, right? It means to fix your eyes, this word goal, means to fix your eyes on a very small mark, right? Not a broad thing, a very small mark. Sometimes we miss that small mark because we're aiming too big, right? Aim small, miss small, right? We aim on one small mark. God says that one small thing we need to be thinking about is Christ, right? The prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, the power of the resurrection is what he's talking about here. The goal of pointing, and the goal of pointing other people to Christ, inspiring them, right? Sometimes us, you know, the evangelical Christians aren't very good at inspiring people to Christ, right? We almost use it as a weapon instead of an inspiration, right? Inspire them. How? By pressing on, by trying harder. So the third thing we need to think about here is looking to the future, because the truth is, yesterday prepares you for today. Yesterday prepares you for today. Today prepares you for tomorrow. And as you look toward the future, Paul repeats a phrase a couple of times. Look at the second half of verse 13. Paul says, forgetting the past, I focus, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, right? Pressing on, looking forward to what lies ahead. As Christians, we need to live in the present. Live in the present with an eye on the future. And because of the hope that we have, because of the knowledge we have, because of where we are, that future looks, uh, looks different for us. Because we have two kinds of futures. The one that, you know, the future never gets here, right? That was Mother Teresa's point. Tomorrow never gets here. So let's deal with today. Right? We prepare for tomorrow, but tomorrow we're going to prepare for that next tomorrow. The future never really gets here. That's the definition of future. But here's the thing with us Christians. We know the future has already come. We know that the future is already here. That Christ is in us. Christ is with us. Christ has prepared for us that future that we think about and that might, we think in one way is never going to come. In the other way, as Christians, we think about it differently because it is already here. And so God says to us, if your goal this year is a new you, you can't stop with a simple statement, a simple resolution. And we'll never get a reformed life, that new way of living. We'll never get a reformed life unless we open our hearts and our minds to God's solution. God's solution for you for this new year. And pay attention to the revelation 
that he has for you. God wants you to understand his words. We have it right here. He wants you to understand his words. He wants to understand the truth that he wrote for you and to you. So if a resolution, right, is a statement, right? A reformation is a new way of living. A revelation is a new way of thinking. Our thoughts come first, followed by our actions, our words, our actions. Our actions become habits. Our habits become who we are. And a revelation, by definition, means to reveal something that's hidden. So it's not anything new. It's like taking the cloth off this table and showing you the top of the table that's been here the whole time. God's words have been here the whole time. But when we say, okay, I want those words working in my life, I want to be different, I want to change, why don't you talk to me and show me how to do it? And God says, well, why don't you open to Philippians 3? Look at how Paul talked about it. Look at what I told Paul to tell you. That's how we become a new you. Revelation means something to reveal, right? Something hidden, but it's already there. I don't want to get too deep into that because I've only got a couple minutes left here, but, but something that's made visible to everybody, something that's made visible to all, that's been there all along. If we take the cloth off here, we look at the tabletop, we can talk about the tabletop. We can look at it. We can understand it a little bit better. Right now, we have no idea what color it is. It could be anything. But when we take it off and we reveal what it is, it changes things. God says, don't stop at a resolution. Don't stop at a statement. Don't settle for a reformation because that might be true. It might be not new way of living. Are we going through the motions? Or are we actually understanding it? He says, my revelation for you, a New Year's revelation for you, is what I have in store for you and what I want for you. That's the thing that God has wanted for you all along. Know that you're not what he wants you to be. The first step that Paul said is, I admit, I understand that I'm not what God wants me to be. But I press on. How do I do that? I unload the baggage from the past so that I can get to what God wants for me in the future by dealing with it today. Paul says, I press on towards the goal. That goal is that fixed point, like looking through a telescope, that fixed point. You know, when I fix my eyes on that one point, that fix my gaze on that point, God makes me that new you, right? God creates that new you. And it's the the new you that God has created you to become. The one that Paul says, I haven't got there yet, but through God's power and through him, I will get to the goal that he created me to be. Does any of that make sense? Okay, let's stand with me, please. And serve the Lord.